I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself so that hopefully it will also put you at ease. I am, I am prude-like. I'm not quite prude. prude. You say you're prude-like? <laughs> but I'm not as prude, yeah, prude-like, like diet, diet prude. I love that. <laughs> That's such a beautiful way to put it. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I came up with that on the fly. I'm like, how should I describe myself? I'm like, yes, like diet prude. <laughs> I have been deathly afraid of the concept of BDSM kink, all of that kind of mm. stuff. And that's why I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today um, so that you can help people like me dispel those kind of myths and fears and, and things like that. And so with that in mind, I just want to hear from you. Have, were you previously a diet prude <laughs> or have you always been sexually adventurous? Um, I think I straddle sort of between both worlds. I've always been sort of inquisitive and I feel like one of the best things about this world that I've discovered is that with the right people, you have people to baby step you into the yumminess of it all. And it's good that you're prude light, which means there's some room for something, you know, yummy. Dearly beloved, today we have gathered here before you, the right people, to baby step us, prude lights like me, and maybe some of you, into the yumminess of kink. Welcome to Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women. I'm your girl, Malaika Grant. And I'm Nanada Kosechema. And yes, today we're learning more about the world of kink. One of the things I've learned about kink is that it doesn't have to be whatever you consider the most wildest, freakiest experience. Like everything else, it's a spectrum. And what one person may consider kinky to another person will be extremely vanilla. And I have to say, personally, vanilla is my favorite flavor of ice cream, you know. So, hey, I'm here for all the vanilla ones. There's nothing wrong with vanilla. <laughs> you can add things to it. Exactly. Like chocolate chip. But anyway, sorry. I'm going to get carried <laughs> away into like, my. I think food is my kink, Malaika. <laughs> then I am your kink master because you know I love to cook. <laughs> so you heard me admitting my inexperience to my girl, Sharon or Shaz, in Deritu there. She's Kenyan and basically does everything from comedy to interior design to teaching kids maths and has a blog where she celebrates body and sex positivity. I'm that person. I'm like, try everything once. I'm really that girl. So I'm like, what are we doing, BDSM? Okay, cool. I'm on that lineup. Put me on that. Are we wax play? Okay, I don't know what that is. Let's do it. I'll do it. Um, are we tying each other up? Shibari? Okay, how do I spell that? Okay, let's try that. Let's see. Let's see what the thing is. And so that's been the gift, is that it's brought people who are um, curious and wild and wonderful. Shaz was introduced to Kink at a BDSM workshop in Nairobi run by our good friend and sister, sex educator Kaz, who we spoke to for our last episode on orgasms. Don't you just love there is a pan-African sex revolution interconnection just happening all around us? But back to Shaz. I told myself when I walked in there is I'll say yes to everything that I feel like, hmm, like I can handle. The big step that for sure 
made it easy for me to say yes is that I didn't, first of all, I didn't realize that there's a lot of rules and a lot of rules that need to be expected, respected and boundaries that are, are put in place for everyone's comfort without that tag of shame. I think that element of shame is something that stops a lot of people from exploring kink. South African Sifu Kundai, co-founder of Hala Africa, another great African community about sex, admits that the first time she was invited to a party in a dungeon... I was like, whoa, what? No, 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 that's not my thing. That's not my thing. But through speaking to people for Hala Africa, her mind started to open. I had a very narrow view of what kink was before and I saw it as people just randomly cutting each other you know or hurting each other <laughs> sexually like that's that's what I thought it was but then the more I learned about even just how to negotiate consent and negotiating power and pain and pleasure and senses and all of these other beautiful things and then doing it visually as well it just kind of opened up my mind to it, yeah. And I then decided to experience it myself. Kink for me is an adventure. Kevin Mwachiro is a Kenyan writer, journalist, queer activist, and also has a podcast called Nipe Story. I'm learning that it is an adventure into the self. And that's what I'm learning, that into the adventure of my body and how my body wants pleasure. Kevin's introduction to kink happened during a sexual encounter in Paris. The city of Lamour, no less. It started off with just slapping, you know, a slap on the ass because he had a paddle and he started playing with it on me and slapping me. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't as painful as I thought it was. I asked for a bit more force into it. I'm willing to discover more. And, and that was my introduction to, to kink. Kevin's lover was African-American, a detail he feels added to the experience. That just added the fun element to it because it was it was someone of color, it was someone of my skin. And it just blew my mind. These are brothers who are into this. And, and for a long time, I'd just seen the prevailing figures that you see, the prominent figures that you see online were white, white men in leather, you know? But you're like, man, there's a whole new world of brothers who love leather and kink. Mills down. I'm like, sign me up, you know, for that class. Race is something that you cannot ignore. There is definitely a hunger for a Black queer kink community. There's definitely a hunger for that. Sifu talks about living in Cape Town, South Africa. You do go to these events and miss Blackness and, and want Blackness to be there because also we experience kink differently. We can't ignore the race the power dynamics that have existed for all of us for the longest time. You know, we can't, we can't ignore the associations. So how we approach and how we think about how kink is very different to how white people think about it. And I have to admit, this is one of the things that has always put me off about kink. Because as someone who is both African and African-American, all I can see is my people running through fields with whips and chains and a big cloud of cotton around them. And I'm like, how does that lead to enjoyable sex? I'm not doing plantation cosplay and shouting, yes, massa, as sex games. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. 
Okay, Malaika, we get you, we get you. And I have to say, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, the more I think about it, this episode is really for you and people like you. Oh, okay. But me, I know I'm not alone. Even Shaz has said her own upbringing has led to some resistance. Listen, I'm a Black African girl, okay? Me, I've been, I've me, I even, I've just already gone into African girl mode. But for real, I'm like, I've been like, how do I say it in English? Chapod. I've been, I've been beaten up a lot, you know, like for like being naughty because I was a naughty ass kid. So I don't see. Oh, they used to lash me too. So I, no. I, I, I get it. So <laughs> you see, Ma, so when you see a belt, you're like, Mm-mm, no, if this is sexy time, no, thank you. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Please, no, thank you. If I see a cane, no, 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 I thought we were supposed to have good times. What is this? You know, and that's where I was coming. Kevin is also unable to separate the history of his Black body with a physical act taking place with a partner. If it was going to break my skin, we've moved to Roots and, and Amistad and 12 Years a Slave, not, not Kinky Bottom, you know? That's a, this, this is a different movie now, you know? So if you broke my skin, I'm like, that's not the script. We had a guest contributor write an article for the Adventures blog about this, saying, quote, I don't find anything remotely desirable about being dominated or dominating someone else, mimicking rape or coercion, being hit or whipped. And deeper into the article, she talks about the racial elements that come into play as Black bodies being brutalized by other people. Sifu has given this some elaborate thought. I'm always ready to go to school. The interesting thing is all of those things take away power, right? When we speak about rape, it is a stripping of somebody's power. When we speak about racism, it is a stripping of a Black body. But kink does not take any power away from anyone. What it does, it creates a space for you to actively assert your power. So you as a Black woman, it is a revolutionary act to say, I want to kneel. You know, it is a powerful thing to say, I want to kneel. And nobody forces you to kneel. You decide that you want to kneel for somebody else, you know. I always say, cool, 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 yes, those things existed for us, but it is revolutionary for us to even be creating this space to say, I want what I want for my pleasure. And that is where you always need to approach anything that you do sexually. When Shaz went to that first workshop, she saw these dynamics at play. I walked in thinking, I'm definitely a dom because there's no way I'm going to enjoy anyone smacking any part of me. You know, by the time I left, I was like, hmm, that wasn't so bad. But what really blew her mind was watching and learning about aftercare. I'd never, even in like regular, regular vanilla white bread sex, I had never seen anyone take care of a sexual partner that way. What do you want? How do you want to be held? Do you want me to hold you longer? I'd never seen anything like that. And it fucked with me, but in a very beautiful way. I remember just going, I don't even get that in my regular sex. Charles says the importance of communication and kink is something we should all be bringing into our bedrooms. Even in very vanilla sort of 
heteronormative, I think that's the word, um, relationships. We don't really talk about, okay, so I'm about to go home with this person. We don't talk about what you like. We, we talk about it in like a sexy way, like, you know, can you handle it? Yeah, okay. I like to write. Okay. You know, it's a very like cute, flirty thing, but we don't really talk about what we want and what we expect and have any conversation about aftercare and, and all of that. I think what I'm learning today is that kink forces you to be direct, upfront, and most importantly, communicative. Shaz can attest to that. Because you have to have these conversations in, in this setting, it's like the stage is set for you to actually have a good time because the moment that maybe something is is uncomfortable, there is the space to say, actually, can we stop? Can we pause on this? Can you just hold me for a minute? I, was, I had a moment, something triggered me. And can we actually just talk completely and just hold me? And I, I don't know that I've had that experience with just a, another lover where I'd be able to go, hey, okay, I know that's supposed to be sexy, but can we just stop? That was weird for me, or I'm not really comfortable, or anything like that. Can you just, can you just take care of me at this point? I think the first time I was whipped, that surprised me. That surprised me. That surprised me. That surprised me a lot because I enjoyed it so much. Kevin Mashiro. I also got to learn about the aftercare and that just blew my mind. That just absolutely blew my mind because I found myself shaking and, and my partner then just held me and cradled me and I just cried. You know, that blew my mind. And later on, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It's like, that's, that's it. That's it. You know, and I, and, I, and I love that whole process of going to pay and then just being given extreme care and feeling so vulnerable. I mean, I remember being in a fetal position and he just held me and I'd never felt safer at that point in time. And unfortunately or fortunately, once we sort of play with this side of things, it's like, you know, when once something is seen, it cannot be unseen, you know, and experience cannot be unexperienced. And I'm grateful that that's what it is. Shaz says that learning about kink has influenced her relationships. Now, if I have a conversation with a would-be lover and they don't mention, you know, they we, we might joke about it, like I want to choke you or spank you or something like that. If there's no mention made about what I do want, what our safe words are, you know, what kind of aftercare they would like to offer me, if those are words that are completely foreign to them, we don't even, I, we probably will shake hands, maybe. You know, because I've learned, oh, no, no, this is good. And it's good for us to have this conversation. So that's what completely it. Let me tell you, Malaika, that thing changed my life and my expectations as far as sex is concerned and intimacy. Um, even before we bring in the toys and the paddles and the wax and the ropes and the, you know, all the hardware, as I say, all the hardware material. I think that's that's what people don't realize that kink is. It gives you the space to negotiate the sex that you want. Sifu Kundai. You have the power, you have the freedom to say exactly what it is that you want and to also be able to have and receive someone else's desires, you know, without your ego being involved in it. Sifu says Shaz has the right idea and makes some very vital points. Honestly, everyone should be negotiating their sex the way that people who are into kink negotiate their sex. Everyone. 
you should be having those open and honest conversations. It is a vulnerable space when we're going to be intimate with somebody. It's a vulnerable space, regardless of whether you're using a whip or not. You know, <laughs> that moment of asking for that whip to be used on you or that moment when you say, I want to whip you. It's, it's, it's an intimacy, you know, it's, it's a vulnerability. So there isn't a difference in my perception, but because of the way that we see these two things, well, we see them as two different things when they aren't actually. We're speaking about the experience of pleasure. We're speaking about uh, the experience of sexuality. That is all in the same, whether you're into vanilla or not, it's all a preference. We're speaking about pleasure and sexuality. So for me, those things are the same and we need to approach them in the exact same way. Malaka, let me tell you, you would love this world. I know you call yourself prude light, but you might be surprised that you're actually more like no light, like original with sugar, sugar cane, <laughs> juice, sugar cane, sugar cane, <laughs> not aspartame, yes, sugar cane, <laughs> not aspartame, the real thing. You may surprise yourself. I've got to say, I'm opening up to the idea. It still sounds like a lot of work with the whipping and aftercare, but, you know, I'm warming up. Maybe I'll become a prude zero. Sifu? There's nothing wrong with being a prude. Absolutely nothing wrong. And I know sex positivity right now is going towards the whole is life culture, you know, and anybody who is not that is vilified, but that's not what sex positivity is. At all. It's not. Yes, some people, loud voices are, are, are portraying it that way, but that's not what it is. Sex positivity is about you being proud. So please be proudly prudish and tell other prudes to be proudly prudish also. The reason why I think kink is a beautiful space is that freedom. So how about we just say, be free, regardless of whether you're keen on kink or not. Let's be free. Let's be free in ourselves and let's allow each other to be free in ourselves. It's okay. All of it, you know. And and as long as you don't force, of course, we always have to bring up consent. We always have to bring up consent. Always with consent. But allow yourself to be free and other humans to be free. Yes. We here at the Adventist Podcast are big on enthusiastic consent. I like how Kevin breaks it down. We shouldn't look at consent as something that is going to limit you and how your pleasure is going to be limited. We should start looking at consent where we're giving someone room to play with me. You know, um, it, maybe it would be, maybe people would understand consent easier that way. If consent is, is, I'm opening a door to my house. Consent is the door. You know, hey, come in, come into my house. You know, and, and, and someone's like, can I go into this room? Sure, go in. All you have to do is ask. You know, all you have to do is ask. Kevin also says it's important to find the right people to come along with you on your kink journey. Just like all of you, you're here with me right now. I'm so emotional. <laughs> I think most times you need someone else to be there to sort of help you discover how much pain you can take. You know, but um, yeah. Just be open to discovering, just discovering how I have a lot of respect for the human body, a lot of respect for the human body, but discovering how magnificent the body is. He admits he has some concerns about people wanting to experiment a bit more with their sexuality. 
we are not giving people the freedom, especially young people, the freedom to be themselves, to be themselves sexually with their identity. So people are still learning shit by mistake, by default, or with wrong people who don't care for them. I wish there were spaces where we would have clubs or even conversations where people could talk comfortably about kink. Mm, such vital words about young people and safety. And so, some more advice? Find people who, who will let you be and will understand the kink, will understand where you're coming from without, without being judgmental. You know, I wish we had access to, 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 to more toys so that people can experiment. I wish, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I must say, there's a part of me that is a little bit scared, especially for young people, you know, because you can't learn everything from the internet. You can't learn everything from the internet. And that's the fallacy that we think that in this day and age, the internet is everything. No, man. You learn from touch. You learn from care. You learn from love. You learn from fellow human beings. So that's it. Look for touch. Look for care. Look for other f love. Look for other human beings. If it's just experimental, who will respect you and will want to help you discover your kink without you feeling bad about your kink. But Sifu says there's also no shame in realizing it's not for you. It's okay to not be into BDSM, guys. For us as Holla, we don't want to create a massive kink community. We want to create a community of people who are sure, who are self-assured in their sexuality. You know, we want to create a community where people are self-empowered to say, I am I'm proudly vanilla. I will never touch that kink stuff. But also doesn't mean you need to judge kink, right? doesn't mean that you need to ascribe any sort of negativity towards kink just because you are not into it. Ultimately, for Shaz, it's about looking inwards. Say yes to yourself. Say yes to the things that are interesting to you. And it sounds like such a, it's like, what do you mean say yes? But it's true. There's so many things that we sort of already start to shame ourselves for wanting and for desiring that even before someone even brings it to you, you're already resisting it yourself. So I say, first of all, say yes to yourself and to your desires. And then you give yourself the room to explore those things. I feel like shame is such a, it's, it takes away so many would-be wonderful experiences. And when you think about kink and our desires and all of that, there's so much sort of shame attached to why we don't explore these things and we don't even realize it. But that is definitely a thing. And so I would say one of the gifts that you can give yourself in exploring your sex and sexuality and your partners and your bodies and your pleasures is to remove the shame away. I, I always tell people when they, they ask me what's your guilty pleasure, I'm like, I have no guilty pleasures. All pleasures are wanted and desired and I have all my pleasures fully. I don't say no to myself. And especially when it comes to sex and love and all and, and, and all that yumminess. So no guilty, no guilty anything, just yeses. And that's fantastic. And unfortunately, you have to put all these caveats in place, but of course, with consent, of course, with people who are off a legal age. When all those boxes are checked, pursue your pleasures with no guilt. Pursue your pleasure with no guilt. I want that on a t-shirt, as a screensaver on my phone, as a piece of art in my living room. I'm totally here for the sheer joy of pleasure. And we get even more pleasure next week. We have an episode that I'm thinking of as a 
Pleasure Masterclass featuring Nakashua and Tapiwa. Oh my goodness, they go deep into pleasure, especially solo pleasure sessions. I don't seek out a forced pleasure. Uh, it just kind of happens because I'm open to it and I'm looking for an opportunity for it, sort of passively, yeah. So I ride a motorcycle and one of the most dangerous things that I do is I get distracted by the world around me on the motorcycle because there's just so much pleasure to enjoy. It can be a risky affair, <laughs> but I think I don't take moments to create pleasure. Pleasure is a central part of my moments. You don't want to miss out on that. What do you say, Malaika? I say you're trying to take my job with the innuendos deep <laughs> into pleasure. I can never take your job, darling. It's all on you. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode on Navigating Kink. I hope, like me, you've learned something new. Who else is going to join me in adding a wee bit of kink to their sex life? Go on, Malaika. I double dare you. And you know, as usual, I'm going to be asking you for receipts. I mean, we need a future episode, which is all about what did Malaika try out <laughs> based on season one of an Adventures podcast? <laughs> Where's her invoice book? Bring the receipts! <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but seriously, I've also learned a lot in this episode. And until the next time, keep coming! coming. When you said that, I imagine the Where's Waldo of Malaika's sex life. You have to go and find, oh, did she actually do self-pleasure? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Maybe that would be a special we threw in for the Patreon, you know, subscribers. Ah, yes. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is hosted by Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama. Freddie Boswell is a senior producer. Fatima Derby is our associate producer. Written by Wana Udobang. Audio editors are Messi Barno and Tevin Sudi. Malaika Grant and Anander Kose Chiyama are executive producers. The Adventures from the Bedrooms of African Women podcast is a production of AQ Studios in partnership with Masi Media. Mercy Kidaga is our studio administrator and Sally Chum is the AQ Studio CEO. Follow us on all our social media. That's at AQ Studios Podcasts. Our theme music is Damn, performed by Ria Boss. Music from this episode comes from Blue Dots Sessions. Find adventures from the bedrooms of African women anywhere you get your podcasts and in the pursuit of all things sex, sexuality and pleasure. Follow us on all our social media platforms at Adventures From. Thanks for listening. God damn, she's so fly. God damn.